Welcome back to All of SQL, Notre Dame podcast connecting students with faculty expertise in economics and business. Today, we're going to do a follow-up episode to our interview with the Managing Director of the Lab for Economic Opportunities, Heather Reynolds. Yeah, if you remember, we ended our conversation with Heather talking about a former student, Emily Marola. We wanted to talk to Emily. Emily is a research associate with Leo and is a 2020 Notre Dame grad. We're hoping this episode will give students more information about working for Leo either during college or after. We're also treating this kind of like a case study in student discernment. We both agree that Emily is one of the most thoughtful and successful students we've encountered at Notre Dame, and we thought it'd be useful for other students to hear about her discernment process. Plus, we also both really like talking to Emily. We work closely with Em in a club that we advise. Emily, this is such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for joining Force and I. Oh, glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Hey, um, uh, can you tell us a bit about your current role at Leo and how you fit into the lab's like overall hierarchy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am a research associate at Leo. Um, there are a number of research associates at Leo, and we're probably one of the bigger um, portions or roles that are on the staff at Leo. But um, our main job is to keep the projects that Leo has going forward. So um, the two main branches of that are project management, so working with providers as necessary, and then uh, setting agendas, making sure that um, those calls are moving forward and that any tasks that are needed for a project are moving forward. And then the second branch would be data analysis and writing, so those kind of more remote tasks that would just be done by a research team, but that still need to be done to eventually get your result of a published paper. Um, The way that that fits into the lab's overall hierarchy is that um, the not really what level is Heather was so we talked with Heather Reynolds earlier like how many levels above you is Heather oh a lot there we go. Okay, good. <laughs> so um like I'm on a team with other RAs and then we have a manager um for RAs that as the director of research operations um and then we all work with different faculty so they're not our direct managers but on the different projects that we're a part of with them they sort of fill that role where they're the ultimate decision maker and they're also the ones that are um kind of working with us to make sure that the projects are being driven forward um and then like above the faculty and um thinking about kind of the organization of the whole and thinking about um the direction for leo in kind of broad terms and and in long terms as well it would be people like heather and jim and bill who are um really kind of at the core leadership Um, And then there's also like an admin team, a communications team, um, and then also undergrad RAs that are very important. So I I wanted to know just a little bit uh, about, you know, how you got involved with Leo and kind of kind of at first, what was your impressions of of working there? But maybe go back even a step further. Can you just describe a little bit of your time here at Notre Dame? Like, what did you do here? Things like that. Sure. Um, So at Notre Dame, I majored in economics. Um, I had a minor in the Hesburgh Program for Public Service, which is a long and fancy name for um, a public policy minor. Um, And then I highlight this now, even though it's not like a formal program, but because it took a lot of work and I'm proud of it, that um, took a lot of math courses outside of both of those programs. An unofficial math minor. 
one I was I'm one class away. From, oh my goodness. Math, like minor. Nobody's counting. Um, <laughs> nobody's, nobody's counting except for me when I'm bitter about it. Um, but yeah. But so th- that's what I did for academics. And then on the extracurricular side, um, probably the the biggest uh, portion of time of, of what I did was working for Leo and then also being um, part of the Federal Reserve and Fiscal Challenge Club, which you all are advisors for. <laughs> We've heard of this club. I was, I was going to sneak in a plug. I was going to be like, oh, what's that? Tell us more. But yeah, we already know. <laughs> also, Kurt Dorn's starting a school. That's right. <laughs> Just so you know, previous yeah. episode plug. Previous um, episode plug. But those are, those are probably the biggest um, different things in uh, community of South Bend as well. Like um, I, I really like uh, tutoring at the Robinson Center as well. So that's something that carried over from college. Okay. So now we can get into like, how did you first get involved with Leo? Now that we know your background and kind of what you did here. And then at that time, what were your kind of responsibilities? Sure. Um, so how I got involved with Leo, uh, when I was a freshman, they had uh, first year advisors. I don't know if they still do that, but my first year advisor, I like went into a meeting with her. It was one of the regularly scheduled meetings. And she was like, I took a look at your college application. <laughs> and here's some things on campus that you might be interested in. And one of them was Leo, because uh, in my college essay, I remember explicitly talking about how like the purpose of what I wanted to study, I wanted that to be put to use in a way that that made other people better off. And so um, I was studying economics, a way to make people better off is to do research um, about programs that might make them better off. And Leo does just that. And so she told me about that. She said, I'm letting you know about this a little early. Like you probably won't be able to apply for a couple of years, but just keep it in mind. And so- Were you an econ major coming in? Yeah, I was an econ major coming in. Um, And so I kind of had it in the back of my mind throughout college that, this is something that I wanted to do. And I kind of wanted to get myself in a position where I was ready to apply for it um, as soon as I could. Um, and so I applied at the spring of sophomore year and um, definitely really grateful to have um, been accepted for, for interning that summer after sophomore year. Um, I was field-based at Catholic Charities Fort Worth for the summer. And then after that summer, I were campus part-time in those semesters. Um, and so the, I guess the role of what each of those looked like was was a little bit different because one is a lot closer to the provider and one's a lot closer to kind of program implementation and making sure that a study is being implemented in, in the correct ways. But then um, on campus, it was kind of more of that remote work of um, doing some data cleaning, um, doing some literature reviews, these sorts of things that um, aren't directly connected with providers necessarily, but still uh, support projects and uh, help the load be a little bit lighter on, on those that are at Leo full-time. As, as you're, as you were going through kind of your, uh, economics curriculum, were you able to be, begin to see the relationship form between classwork and kind of the empirical, you know, work that you were doing with Leo? Um, I think so. Yeah. In, in, in certain ways, that's really, um, kind of clear, like a, a class, like um, econometrics, for example, that um, usually undergrad RAs would take before they come to Leo. Like that's something that is directly applicable. Um, even though Leo mostly does randomized controlled trials, um, there's also quasi-experimental projects that happen at Leo. And so um, like being able to understand those frameworks, um, which is a lot of what econometrics is about, is just understanding what these kind of different identification methods might be and how they actually work in nuts and bolts. Um, being able to 
connect that to to actual work that's happening on the ground and that like actual researchers are doing is something that's, that's really cool and really valuable. Um, I think for other classes, it kind of just provides more context around any of the given subjects that we would be focusing on at Leo. So um, I think one one example that sticks out to me is um, I took economics of inequality with Professor Cornelson and um, that was a really great course. And I think that it also just shed a lot of light on kind of like these broader studies that are looking at a more macro level um, about how inequality works um, globally, but then also within the US. And then I kind of see those things in the back of my mind when we're focusing on just like one organization that's trying to fight that or like one organization that's trying to, to make opportunity, economic opportunity um, more equal, I suppose. Um, yeah. Could you walk us through like a project you're working on right now, just so we have an idea of like um, some context? Sure. Um, I guess I'll I'll give you a choice <laughs> to Ooh. make it a little bit easier. Oh, I like this. Side. Um, so I think the, the three main areas um, that I'm working on right now for for Leo would be um, criminal justice projects, and then projects that are about uh, education, and then the last would be kind of economic or financial security. So um, I'll have you pick one of those topics and then I'll pick a project within that topic. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm not particularly interested in any of those. So Jason. Oh, wow. That's a lie. We talk about all these things all the time. Um, I'm, I'm, let's do education. I think that's super interesting. Okay. We had Chloe Gibbs on at the very first episode. We talked about education um, and kind of how COVID is impacting you know, K through 12 schools, how is it impacting collegiate level? So I'd like to hear kind of what Leo is doing in terms of, you know, education and inequality. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I guess an, an answer to that is definitely a lot more broad than, than just the project that I'm a part of. Um, but I think that one good example of one of these projects is we have a project that recently just started that's in Austin, Texas, and it's focused on the Goodwill Excel Center in Austin, Texas. Um, Goodwill has uh, a number of these locations throughout the U.S., but they're adult high schools that are free, and it's a really unique model where um, if you drop out of high school earlier in life before you're 18, you can come to this free high school in your community um, that's specifically for adults and that also has some, some extra uh, services involved. So you can um, have free childcare while you're in class, going to class at the Excel Center. There's transportation passes. There are life coaches that are there to, and life coaches is, is their term for somebody that is there to help you get from point A to point B, which would be graduation from the Excel Center. And at the very end of it, you get a actual high school diploma, not a, GA, not a GED, uh, a high school diploma in your state that um, you can then use from then on. And so um, in this study specifically, we're looking at something that can, an intervention that can hopefully improve persistence at the Excel Center. And so um, there's two ways that they're thinking of doing that. And so we have multiple kind of treatment arms that, that we're looking at for this study. One of them is a text message intervention that can remind students about their long-term goals and also um, let them know about important application deadlines, things like this. And then the other treatment is a college and career readiness coach that can um, help students in a more intense way think about uh, what their long-term goals are after the Excel Center and what that could look like for them, whether it's a career, whether it's going to post-secondary schooling, uh, something like this. And so that's one example of a project. I've got some questions about like the logistics of like how that works. But um, before I before I ask that, what do we know about like the returns to a high school diploma relative to a GED? Sure. And so in my very like non-expert just doing, <laughs> doing work for, for this project opinion, um, what 
we've seen um, doing literature reviews and things like this is that um, a GED does not have the same, it doesn't show the same consistent returns as a high school diploma would. It doesn't have the same uh, signaling value to, to employers or to um, other like post-secondary institutions, uh, for example. And so, uh, for example, there's, there's a study that um, talks about the difference between these two uh, sort of pieces of paper that, that somebody could have to signal their value to employers and uh, wages for those with a GED were not significantly different for those that had dropped out and did not have a GED, but for those that dropped out and then um, had gotten a high school diploma later on, um, it, it had a big difference. So, um, so yeah. now what do you do? Like what's, what's your role as, you know, in this, in this project? Sure. Um, so my role would be uh, kind of just day to day. Um, I'm setting agendas for calls. So making sure that we're staying on track and that we're having um, our number one priorities are clear and uh, not just to the principal investigator, uh, so the faculty, but then also for our partner. Um, when it comes to actually being on those calls, it's like facilitating them and making sure that you're taking into account all these different points of view when you're trying to problem solve and, and tackle uh, the next thing that needs to be taken care of. But um, outside of calls and, and setting those and getting those done, it can also be reaching out to get uh, data arrangements uh, put together, getting IRB approval for the study, um, designing the survey or taking a per first pass at doing that that you might have for participants, something like this. And so, um, and then later on down the line, analyzing data and writing about it and kind of doing first passes at those things. And so, um, yeah, hopefully that's, I know that that's a little bit uh, trailing off. No, no, it's great. No, no, it's great. So I, I kind of have a question, you know, when you, when you begin this project and you're thinking about the interventions, how much of this is the, you know, your faculty member, Kind of coming in and saying like i have these hypotheses versus how much of it as like a discussion within leo to kind of get at these different types of interventions or with the provider yeah or with yeah. the provider yeah exactly sure um so i think that like a lot of um there's there's something that's kind of interesting about like thinking about like a research agenda this way where like you can uh I think for, for somebody that, that does research that, that isn't a part of LEO, um, a lot of that's driven by like personal interest or like a theory that's appealing that you might want to test or um, something like this. And then, but for LEO, like a lot of that is driven by a desire to make research really relevant for providers. And so um, we don't just want to answer questions that are academically interesting but and academically valuable, but then also answer questions that are directly valuable to the organizations that we work with. So, depending on whatever result we get, that should be something that is actually informing the work they're doing and is something that they want answered and want um, they want results on. And so I guess that might, maybe that provides a, a bit of a re general response to that. Happy to- Yeah, no, that was perfect. Yeah. And then in terms of, okay, so you're geared towards making an impact in addition to kind of answering these bigger questions. How much is like, do we want to think about like when we're generating a treatment or treatment groups, do we want to like focus on helping the people in Austin, Texas versus like thinking about kind of generalizability, like, okay, let's try and think about treatment arms that are going to be effective at helping people in Austin that also we can scale up towards, you know, to other communities. Like how do you, does that go into the thought process at the beginning or is that just something that kind of comes out of it at the end? Yeah. So I think that um, part of that can come like within any given study where you try to find, um, participants that are um, 
as as representative as is reasonable for the other considerations of the study that um, then we can apply this to more we can say like this group of people this um, this intervention seems to work but the nature of uh, randomized controlled trials means that the results um, can be somewhat specific and that like generalizability isn't always something that you can do so if there's a program that works in Austin Texas it might not work in South Bend Indiana let alone um, in another country or, or something like this and so um, those are things that uh, Leo's actively trying to take into account, I think, by um, two, two ways. One of them is by doing groups of projects that are focused on a similar area but have slight variations to what they're focused on or um, how they're testing it. And then the second would be actually replicating programs that we have research on already and that are going to different places to tr kind of build this body of evidence that's happening. And so um, an example of the former is that um, we just launched a criminal justice initiative. Those are three of the projects that um, I'm helping out with right now, where it's focusing directly on things related to like community correctional systems. So um, just looking at like the county level, for example, um, their jail systems and not at prison. And so that's something that at the end of the day, we're hoping to have like at least five projects that can say something about community level criminal justice and, and how to reduce recidivism. And Within then, a region? Well, it'll be in multiple places. So, so here, I got a little confused about like how you said they're, they're generating variation. At first, what I thought you were saying was we're going to think about all sorts of different types of treatments within one region to generate variation that way. And then we're going to think about using the same treatment across all sorts of different regions to think about kind of like how well they can scale. Was that the wrong way to think about your there sort of two categories? Um. So I think that the second category, yes, for the first category, it's more about, um, I guess it, it's similar to, um, similar to the latter. It's just that, um, there could be, it's, it's a little bit smaller. So, um, I don't know if this is like the best way to think about it, but like for, for example, for, uh, re-entry, like that's something that has a lot of programming and, and a decent amount of literature about it, like re-entry from, uh, from prison or something like this into the community. Um, and so something that Leo might do to try to build evidence would be to say, here are a number of different programs that are all focused on the goal of re-entry, but they're doing it in a bit of a different way. And it'll be in different communities around the country. So it doesn't have that perfect kind of comparison that, that we would like in an ideal world to say, we've done each of these interventions in Austin, Texas, and they have different impacts. And so we can attribute this only to the differences in the intervention and not to difference in place or community or things like this. But um, it's just one way that um, trying to have a more coordinated research agenda to say that we want to say something about reentry and we want to say something about criminal justice. Um, how can we coordinate the organizations that we work with and the projects that we work with to start answering that? Um, given like the limited time that we have. And um, the second one is kind of more uh, rigorous, I suppose, or more uh, directly along the lines of what you would wanna see for, for testing replication, which is we're taking the same program, we're putting it in a different place, and then we're testing it again to see if it works. Um, That's interesting. So uh, it's not explicitly like a two-step process though, right? Where like the first stage would be like, try a whole bunch of different treatments in a bunch of different places, try and figure out what works. And then the second stage would be like, okay, you tried to identify what works. Now, like replicate that in a whole bunch of different locations. 
Yeah, I think that, um, yeah, I think that, like, part of that is um, kind of, like, above above my pay <laughs> of thinking, like, what are the, like, what's the most valuable thing for Leo to be doing with its limited resources and time? And, like, how can we best contribute to, like, policy conversations or contribute to um, just, like, best practices that providers want to know about? And then, um, like, doing that at the same time. Because I think that, like, the, the formula of, like, we go out, we build as much evidence as we can. And then like, now we take all the evidence that we can and we replicate it. And that's like having a Leo organization that's only focused on replicating things from different studies in different places, like might not be the most productive Leo that should be existing for, um, for like people that, yeah, that want. No, no, that seems absolutely right. Like you want to kind of be doing, a, it seems like you want to be doing a mixture of these things, you know, constantly. So you mentioned like having the biggest impacts, like what is, What's the what's Emily Marola gonna do in order to have the biggest impact over the next five or ten years? I don't even know. I I I think like the this this prompts a lot of existential crises to be honest. <laughs> I love this. I think I think like I don't know. I take the idea of a vocation really seriously, and that's something that was also kind of like formed through Notre Dame in a more strong way. Like I think that when I was in high school, like I was saying the definition of a vocation for like what I wanted to do with my job and my life, but I didn't know what that was yet, and I didn't know that there was like an entire kind of background of like thought on like the fact that this is something important that like you should find what you're good at and then apply that to do the most good in like however that works for you and like that's how you can thrive and that's how you can flourish and you can also help other people flourish but um yeah like actually figuring out what that is is really tricky and i don't know i actually was like like, whether that's the goal or not is actually really tricky right it's like very utilitarian eighty thousand hours ish uh, yeah and there's also this element of like oh you think that you can like go out and solve all these problems like i don't know there's like i actually think you can yeah yeah Yeah. i don't know it's um if anyone can do it it's you and so we want to know are you going to get an economics phd in this or public (laughs) policy Right. Or you can keep working for Leo. Keep like, working for Leo. I'm, yeah, I'm, well, I mean, for right now, I, I would love to keep working for Leo. I love my job. I really like um, just like everything that I get to do. It's kind of it's kind of crazy, like how many good days I get to have working there, um, especially given the fact that like, um, like even just having employment is not guaranteed yeah. these days. And so, um, yeah, I think in terms of like looking to like after Leo, I think eventually there's... Um, like there's post-secondary, not post-secondary, there's, there's schooling that's happening post-undergrad. But what that, yeah. what that actually looks like, I, I'm not sure. I'm leaning towards um, the, the economics PhD route solely because of the, um, I think there's so many things that I always feel kind of like on the other side of like this door of like I'm knocking on it for trying to understand like everything about it or being able to like really just like get it and make decisions. And I love seeing like faculty on the projects that I'm working on. I've had this like amazing sense of clarity about um, kind of like the direction forward for, for designing research or um, for setting research agendas and, and knowing what's important that way. And so um, I think that would be, that would be really, really cool. And then I also think that it, it opens a lot of doors. So it like allows for a lot of flexibility for um, like as this discernment process will inevitably continue until like I take the big dirt nap. Like I think eventually, like, I don't know, like, like it, it best to posture in a way that can um, allow for that discernment to be like flexible and to, to do as much as, and not be constrained by things, but. 
I don't know. Like <laughs> so Leo, Leo seems to like really good for you in terms of like discernment, right? Cause it's giving you exposure to a lot of different uh, uh, ways that people are solving problems. And um, it's helpful, you know, to see how people are engaging in the process, but take like a, a big step back. Um, like when you're at, when you're at Notre Dame, you know, what did you do uh, or where could you go? You know, what resources did you have? to help you while you were here in terms of career discernment? Um, I think like <laughs> this, this, okay. So like I took a lot of like career quizzes. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I did do like, which, which always sounds so dumb. Cause it's like, Oh, I'm going to take this quiz and they're going to tell me like what I should be. And it takes kind of like your agency. You should be a social it, worker. Which is like, I've already oh, answered your quiz. oh my gosh, <laughs> I could, I could never only because I do not have like the longevity or like stamina to, to be a social worker, like to actually do that and to like show up and be just like an awesome present and, and productive. Way. Like, yeah. yeah. Shout it, out to social workers and yeah. great teachers. Workers. That's right. Yeah. But, like I respect you. I'll respect you till I die. Like you're, I'll stand for you any day. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, the, the main things at Notre Dame, I mean like the, the center, what are they calling it now? The center for know. career Marillo development. Something. Yeah. 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 The career development center. Yeah. Like, like they're helpful. Center enough, for like, career they, development. Yeah. They really like want to be there for you, like helping figure out these things, but like they also can't do everything. And um, I think that um, sometimes like depending on the field that you want to go into, like there's more of that kind of like work that you have to do on your own to research things. I think probably the most helpful thing that I did for discernment was um, just like trolling people's LinkedIn pages and seeing like, here's a person that I respect, here's an organization that I respect um, because of like the work that they're doing and how did they get there or like what kind of people do they hire? And then kind of walking back from that. Because if I try to think about like the big question of like, what's the most productive thing for me to do as a person like in life, like that gets way too existential and like hard. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Did they have like the, the compass tool when you were here? What's that? It's like oh, where you can not. like stalk like Notre Dame alumni and like oh. ask them questions or something. I feel like you would love this. No, I they so maybe they started that. I, I do vaguely remember an email um, being <laughs> sent about this and I did sign up for it like as an alum to be on there, but I haven't engaged with it in a, in a meaningful way. Um, yeah, I don't know. But I mean, a lot of times, like I think sometimes like discernment stuff just kind of comes as like, like a lightning flash of just like things that present themselves. Like I would have probably like, maybe I wouldn't have found out about Leo if I didn't have like my advisor tell me about it like freshman year and like wouldn't have this kind of like goal in mind for a long time. Or... So maybe the best advice is to like, just talk to everyone, right? Teachers, friends, <laughs> alumni, stock people, right? Stalk Emily, we're going to give her information. On LinkedIn, stock on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. I think, yeah, I've, I've expressed this to, to both of you in the past too, but also I think like going through this process is like really important because like at the end of the day, you want to do good for, for folks, but also like it feels like selfish to be like, ah, what am I good at? Like, what do I want to do? What's like, I don't know, focus on me. <laughs> for, yeah, for you have preferences. I think I'm going to title this podcast Existential Crisis with Emily Marola. <laughs> I mean, that, that would be fair. I think for anybody that knows me well, they get a neurotic, um, like, 
goes through existential crises like three times a week kind of person and so like that would not be a surprise to anybody that I actually that, think this is why we get along so well <laughs> yeah, I think all so. right let's switch gears we uh we don't want to take up too much more of your time um we have a special segment. special segment for only our most special guests <laughs> rapid fire questions and now this needs to be like rapid fire like eric sims rapid fire not like molasses fire or whatever we do with Mary Flannery. That's right. We love Dean Flannery. I love, yes. But she answered these in a very methodical, mm. I, democratic way. Best. Can yeah. I provide a reason or do I just have to provide? Very short. We'll cut okay. you off. Okay. All right. Ready? Yeah. Your time begins now. North or South Dining Hall? Uh, south, but if this was Old North, Old North would win. Uh, least favorite place on campus? Oh, what? That wasn't in the prep questions. Um, that, that's right. <laughs> least favorite place on campus. Ooh, okay. So when I was a freshman and I thought I knew what studying was like, I went to the eighth floor of the library and would like study in this one cubicle like all the time. And I see that cubicle now and I just didn't. I just look at it. <laughs> I see a doodle that I put in it like three years ago and I just, ugh, gross. Yeah. Triggering. Um, most underrated part of the state of Ohio? Oh, oh, um, uh, oh, that's hard. Oh, um, oh, that anybody from Ohio or like most people from Ohio, at least central Ohio, you can scream out oh to them and they will respond io <laughs> that's good time. so if you see somebody that especially if they're wearing a buckeyes uh hat or like anything related to ohio state you just can shout oh and they'll respond io it's fantastic favorite econ course you took in notre dame oh oh that's so hard um there's so many good ones um hmm Your time is up. <laughs> I know. I, maybe that's maybe it's like best. There's so many good ones. That's a good one. No, that's you, have, no you have to pick oh, one. Oh, you're not going to yeah, let yeah, off the yeah, hook? You have to pick oh, one. Okay. You have to pick one. Um, I think <clears throat> the first one that kind of comes to mind, I think intermediate micro is, is cool. Oh, scratch that. Um, combine intermediate micro with like advanced micro, like doing both of those things is so fun. Like they're, they're cool. Um, Shout out to Kali Roth too. Shout out, yeah, because because both of those classes I think kind of push you on like what you understand economics to be and like what an economics class looks like, and that's really important. And that, that's cool. That's cool. I, I, I like yeah. that you chose like the two like very theoretical courses. Yeah, yeah right. It's interesting. Uh, okay, so really good question. So I'm from the business school, and everyone here uses Excel, but I'm also an economist, so I'm very familiar with Stata, Excel, or Stata. What am I trying to do? Oh. No, no, no just answer. No, answer. That's important. You can just <laughs> You have to pick one. Um I I think it's got to be Stata. If I had to use one like for the rest of my life, right? Because I think um you can do I don't even know though, like Okay. All right. Stata or R? Oh, I only because I haven't used it very much. Um, Stata would still win, but I've heard that it has a lot more capabilities than <laughs> Stata does. Uh, worst part of being an economics major? Uh, oh, that you get just like a bunch of crap from every other major. Like business, <laughs> business students think that you weren't good enough to get into Mendoza. 
uh, engineering students think that you were too dumb to do engineering, so you just went <laughs> over to econ. And then arts and letters folks that are doing like true liberal arts, they're like, oh, you sold your soul to the man. Um, so you get no love. There's no That's love. That's incredible. Great plug for the yeah. economics major. I love it. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Uh, monetary or fiscal poli- policy? Oh, uh, fiscal policy. Not in terms um, of like, I think monetary policy is like, very, very important. I just don't understand it as well as I do fiscal policy. <laughs> Why did you finish second in the 2019 fiscal policy challenge? Oh, that's so tough. Uh, I think um, answering questions. Is- oh, sorry. The correct answer is you actually did win the 2019 fiscal policy challenge and Stanford lost. And that's, you know, our alternate reality. That's not an alternate reality. That's actually true. All right. <laughs> next, keep going. Where's the safest place in the world for a dog wearing a collar and a leash to wander around? <laughs> next to Lawrence Karna. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. I was not expecting that answer. Yeah. And I had something snarky that I was going to say, but actually, no, that's, that's, that's perfect. perfect. I mean, he loves animals. He'll, he'll take care of that doggo. Yeah. All right, we'll end it there. Emily, Merle, thank you so much for chatting with Forrest and I. This was such a pleasure. We love reconnecting with, with, our, with our former students. Oh, yeah, likewise. Thanks for having me. Feels weird to, to be on a podcast, but... Um, I, <laughs> well, you're <laughs> no, more, no more existential crises. I know. I yeah, it's it's right. remotely helpful or interesting to, to some people. <laughs> Thanks, Em. It's always good to catch up with Emily. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So we'll post Emily's email address on the episode description. She says she'd happy uh, she'd be happy to talk to students about Leo or about the decision to pursue or to not pursue a PhD in economics. Uh, to pursue or not to pursue? To That's pursue the question. On a separate note, we finalized plans for the inaugural All Else Equal Winter Break Book Club. We're going to read Angrynomics by Eric Lonergan and Mark Blythe. We'll be releasing a series of episodes over Notre Dame's winter break that will feature a special guest to help unpack the book. If you'd like to follow along and join in on the conversation, we'll put the Amazon link on the podcast description. Yeah, and just as a note, uh, Jason and I probably both likely disagree with a large portion of the book, uh, but we think it's going to be a good starting point for a conversation. And that's it for this episode of All Else Equal. Feel free to email us at allelseequalpodcast at gmail.com. And good luck with your finals. Good luck.